Hey, welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we want to do life with you. While you're listening, fill out the hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it out. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online options while filling out the card. Again, we're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. Good morning. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. Luke 5, if you don't have uh, a traditional Bible and you want one, then you can just go to the Welcome Center at the end of the service and we'd love to give you one uh, as a gift. But in the meantime, we'd really like it for you to use your YouVersion app or the Bible app. It just has so many amazing qualities and different options on it, reading plans, all sorts of different stuff. And if you don't have the app, then you can just scan uh, this QR code and uh, it'll take you there. We've already uploaded all the notes and uh, all the scriptures. If you're watching us online, I love you guys. Uh, I just want to say like, I'm super grateful for online Jamie, AKA shout out Jamie. So I give a shout out to shout out Jamie, my brother. He's been serving I don't know if you know this, if you've never attended our online campus, he's been serving our online campus, y'all, like for years. Like we couldn't even have an online campus if it wasn't for my brother Jamie. And uh, he sends me emails, he sends me encouragement, he talks about my outfits, and he keeps it 100 though. Like if the sound isn't quite right on the online campus, he will let me know in between services. And so anyway, super glad to see you guys. Like Pastor Sonny said, this is, like it's incredible. It's incredible uh, when you come home. Have you ever heard the saying, distance makes a heart grow fonder? I was thinking about this actually backstage. Have you ever gone on a trip and slept in a bad bed or ate food that wasn't quite like your, and you felt like you were really excited to go on that trip until you got on that trip. And then you were like, man, I really miss, I really miss my own bed. I miss my own people. So last week I was at a, at an amazing church, preached their anniversary service. And it was amazing. It wasn't y'all. And so I love you guys. Super glad uh, that I got to be able to uh, be there, but really glad uh, that I get to be here as well. And so anyway, I, I hope you guys are watching The Chosen. Uh, it can't be overstated how good it really is. But fair warning, it's not a show you binge. It's overwhelming. It's, it's too emotional for that. But, but of course, I don't think the Bible's something that you can binge either. It's not something I think you can rush through. It's, it's something, it, it should be savored. I think a lot of times when people are new believers, they want to get through it as fast as possible, like it's a new Grisham book. Like when you get to the end, it's going to feel like it's fulfilling. This isn't a book that's just fulfilling when you get to the end. It's a book that's fulfilling all the way through. It's meant to be savored, like a, like a great steak or, or a glass of fine wine. Now listen, I don't drink wine, not because I have any ethical issue against it, I just think it's gross. If I were to drink wine, it would be like some spumani. You know what I'm saying? It would be like, uh, it would definitely be off of a shelf from the box. I can't tell the difference between box wine and good wine. This all tastes like dust to me. I'm just saying. So I can't speak to the wine thing, but I know me some steak. I don't know if you could tell that. I know, I know. You ever get a good steak? You put that joker up in the top of your lip and you just leave that mug there. You just hope that at three o'clock in the afternoon, there'll be a time release formula that happens. And this, maybe not, maybe that's, 
Maybe that's why I threw my shoulder out putting my shirt on. I'm just saying, this book is supposed to be enjoyed. It is supposed to be, it's supposed to be savored. Uh, but slowing through the scriptures can be challenging. They can feel two-dimensional, impersonal, uh, confusing, H- hard to connect to and hard to connect with. So, so enter the show. The show has made it three-dimensional. It's made it personable, relatable, which is why it isn't meant to be rushed through. It, it's, it's actually meant to put you in the story, to, to picture yourself there, to help you see the sights, hear the sounds, like smell the surroundings, feel the wind on your face, the ground beneath your feet, to hear the crunch of branches and gravel underneath your feet. It it gives Jesus a face, a voice, a personality, emotions, a sense of humor, a, a a little bit of sarcasm. I mean, here as we're coming up on uh, Holy Week, and um, it's always been very emotional for me when you read through this story. In fact, we're going to do some stuff this week to prepare uh, for Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and for Resurrection Sunday. And it's always, it's always like gutting to me when you've gone through the story. And I was actually thinking this week as I was, as I was re-watching The Chosen, I'm not looking forward to the end. I think I've, I've had a relationship with Jesus for almost 30 years. I don't think I've had the connection with Jesus that I've had until now. Like, like when he goes through this process of Holy Week, it's, it's like now there's, there's a face to it. There's a voice to it. There's uh, almost like, uh, so I tell people like, have you ever watched Ted Lasso? Uh, some people don't like Ted Lasso. My son doesn't really like Ted Lasso. He thinks it's stupid. I think this. When I watch Ted Lasso, I want to be Ted Lasso's friend. When I finish the episode, I go, I wish I could like hang out with that guy. And sometimes I do because I hang out with Pastor Dallas. But it's like, like there's like a connection. This like he's got this joy. He's got this infection to him. So when I watch that show, it makes me want to be his friend more. That happens to me when I watch The Chosen. I walk away and I wanna be uh, Jesus' friend more. And so I can't encourage you enough to take some time and watch the show because at some point, you're gonna see yourself in it, which, which is why I didn't really like episode four. I wanna talk about that today in a message that we're calling, Don't You Know Who I Am? Let's pray. God, we love you. We honor you, God. I pray that your heart would become our heart, that your mind would become our mind, that your intentions, would become our intentions. That God, I, I just pray that we would become less like us and more like you. Guard our hearts, guard our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, you ever get around somebody who's, who's stubborn? Don't elbow your husband. You ever get around somebody who's stubborn? Isn't it annoying, frustrating? Uh, man, I, I am stubborn. I hate being told what to do. And, and when people try to tell me what to do, this, I have a couple of responses. I, I'll say something like, man, I, listen, I'm a, I'm a grown man. You ain't going to tell me what to do. <laughs> Doug, I, I could be stubborn 
bull-headed, which is the main characteristic that consistently jumps out to me about Simon, a.k.a. Peter. He is stubborn. He just can't seem to get out of his own way. And it grates on me. It bothers me. It annoys me. It frustrates me. Because as I watched this episode in particular, he reminded me of me. Like, like he was in trouble. He was slipping, sliding at the end of his rope. He tried every option, worked every angle, done everything he knew to do. And his circumstances caused him to abandon his character. And so because of his challenges, he had agreed to sell out his friends, his family, his co-workers. He'd agreed to, to sell out his, his fellow Jews. And it, it's affected his relationships with his brother, with his wife, with his friends, and ultimately with God. I wonder, have you ever been there where, where you're willing to sacrifice tomorrow for the sake of today as a result of yesterday? And then you want to blame everyone, but listen to no one. <laughs> you ever been stubborn? You know, stubbornness is nothing more than pride. And the Proverbs say that pride comes right before the fall. Uh, stubbornness is a weight your shoulders aren't wide enough and your legs aren't strong enough to carry. It's why Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden, hmm, my burden, it is light. When I read the story, when I watch the show, it doesn't feel like his burden is light. Burdens have a lot to do with perspective. Have you ever thought about that? You ever been in the middle of a burden and felt like it was overwhelming and then suddenly you realize that your burden is light because you see or hear about the burden of someone else? Someone like Pastor Sonny talked about who, who lost a loved one now. They're hopeless. They're homeless. They're trying to figure out how to scrape and scrounge. And we woke up in a bed today with a little bit of food in our mouth. And just because we got a phone call yesterday saying that they're going to cut this off or that they're going to have to suspend this or extend that, then suddenly we feel like our burden is heavy. And yet Jesus looking down the road, knowing where it ends, you know, he knew, he knew the end before the beginning. He, he knew what he was getting into before he got it into. And yet, and yet he says, my burden is light. Yeah. See, when you're stubborn, you're uncooperative. You, you, you don't want to hear anything from anyone. You ever been around somebody who doesn't want anybody to tell them anything? They don't want solutions. You have solutions, but every time you try to give them to them, all they do is they just get, they just get mad at you when you're stubborn, you're uncooperative. When you're stubborn, you're unreliable. Your, your judgment, it's off. When you're being stubborn, you can't be trusted to make good decisions. When you're stubborn, you're unteachable. Can't nobody tell you nothing. Can't, like they'll give you all the solutions. They'll give you all the reasons. They've been where you're at. They've conquered what you're wrestling with. And yet they can't tell you nothing. Because when you're stubborn, you're unteachable. And Peter was all three of those things in this episode. So, so he just bugged me. I just was like, bruh, like, I can't say the S word in here because some people think, the stupid's a cuss word, you know? So like, I just was like, stop being, stop being dumb, bro. Stop being. Sometimes I want to punch Peter in his face when I'm watching the show. I'm just saying, none of you guys react like that. But I just, like, I watch it and I'm like, if I had hair, bro, I would pull my hair out. 
I'd be like, first of all, stop. You are handsome and buff and all the, you look so much like me, bro. Why are you, why are you even mad right now? Like he just, and he just, he just can't get out of his own way. He was trying everything except the right thing, which seems so obvious. He was being so stubborn. You ever been, you ever been stubborn? I mean, when you're stubborn, you don't normally think you're being stubborn. When you're being stubborn, you think that you're being resolute or you're being, you're being strong-willed. You ever, I'm just strong-willed. I'm just, I'm just confident in my convictions. No, no, you just, just ask everybody around you. You're not strong-willed. You're stubborn. And if you think you're not stubborn, I thought today, why don't I come and why don't I, why don't I give you three signs that you are, okay? So three signs of stubbornness. Here's the first, is that you're stressed. <laughs> Bro, Peter was stressed. Like his situation was all he could think about. He was distracted. He wasn't present. He was agitated. He was impatient. He was short, rude. He started making dumb decisions. He started trying to bail himself out. He started gambling, lying, cutting corners. Are you stressed? Is there something that's, that's eating you alive? Let me ask you, why are you carrying it alone? Why are you trying to do it by yourself? I mean, the answer is so obvious. The Bible says, don't be anxious about anything. But instead, in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and it will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. I wonder, are you stressed? Our culture is stressed. People are stressed. It's an overwhelming thing that when people really get on the level with each other, they talk about, I'm, I'm busy. I talk about, like, I'm stressed. Like, are you are you stressed? <laughs> I mean, maybe it's just because you're stubborn. Here's the second sign of stubbornness is that you're struggling. Peter was struggling this whole episode. Couldn't sleep, couldn't eat. His mind was spinning. He, he was avoidant. He, he couldn't look his wife in the eye. He, he couldn't level with his brother. He was carrying this load and he didn't think that anyone could see it. But everyone could see it. You know, nobody really struggles in secret or in silence. Somebody is seeing it. Are you struggling? Why don't you set whatever's making you struggle down or at least, at least spread it out? Wisdom is found in the counsel of many. Here's the deal. So you screwed up. <laughs> Everybody screws up. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody, as my mama would say, everybody does dumb. But there is somebody in your life who knows how to fix it. People who struggle in silence suffer in solitude. Stop suffering alone. Stop struggling alone. Peter himself, later on, after like living this crazy life wrote these words. He said, you're suffering. It's not going to last forever. I know when you're suffering, it feels like it's never going to stop. Have you ever felt like you've been in the same struggle forever? Like the same suffering 
forever. Now, Peter says, your suffering will not last forever. Listen, it won't be long before this generous God who has great plans for us in Jesus and oh, what eternal and glorious plans they are. It won't be long before he'll have you put together and on your feet for good. See, some of you need to start writing some scriptures down, some encouragement script. You know the word encourage means add courage to. Some of you need to start finding some scriptures that add courage to your life and write them on something other than a digital device and post them all over your house. Put them on a sticky note and put them on your mirror that says this suffering is not going to endure forever. That at some point God's going to put me together and he's going to put me on my feet for good. Are you suffering? Maybe it's because you're being stubborn. You're, you're not handing it out. You're not handing it off. You're not, you're not spreading it out. Here's a third sign of stubbornness is that you're stuck. <laughs> uh, I remember a few years ago, we were at uh, Pastor Sonny's parents' ranch in Montana and my son Isaiah and my nephew Braden, they, they wanted to go and ride the rhino up in the timber. And I'm talking about the vehicle, not the animal. We didn't have a ranch of rhino, which is like a, it's kind of like a four-wheeler, but like a little tougher. And so they wanted to ride the rhino up in the timber. And so my father-in-law turned to him and he told him that they needed to stay away from a certain area of the ranch because there was a lot of moisture up there. And so it was really, really wet. (laughs) So guess what they did? Guess where they went not, they didn't end up there. They didn't, they didn't like accidentally get in there. I think they were like, I think they were like eight and 10. And so, you know, you tell an eight-year-old boy and a 10-year-old boy on a few thousand acres, you could go anywhere. You can eat any fruit. Except you could, never mind. I was about to go somewhere. Y'all wouldn't want me to go. And so you could go anywhere on this ranch except here. And so they walked out the house and they had them a meeting. They said, guess where where we need to go? We need to go right. (laughs) And they did. They went right to the place he told them not to go to. And they drove that rhino right into a huge patch of clay. And they sunk that rhino so deep they almost had to swim in that clay to get free and to get back to the house. And when they got back to the house, they showed up, didn't have on no shoes, didn't have no socks. They was in their, they was in their underwear. So that's all they had on, just underwear, just walking, little t-shirts, you know, some kids, summer t-shirts that are thin anyway, had a little drawers, little whitey tighties and no socks because they had to leave all the other stuff behind just so they wouldn't be sunk. Can I just say this? Some of you are stuck and it's your own fault. You put it on the credit card. You bought a car you couldn't afford. You went on a trip that was outside your means. You responded to her text. You responded to his DM. You picked up that bottle. You popped those pills. He told you not to go there, but you knew better. So now you got stuck. And because you're stuck, you're mad at God, which is exactly where we find Peter in the boat. 
He's in the boat fishing at night, cussing God out for not bailing him out. And how many times do we cuss God out for not bailing us out? And God's like, bro, the first thing I told the first thing I told you, you can go anywhere you want. You can do anything that you want except for this. And Peter tried everything and he was stuck. But then his solution showed up in the form of his savior. And one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed into him to listen to the word of God. He, he noticed, Jesus, he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and they were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water so he could teach the crowds from there. When, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper. Have you ever asked yourself what would happen if you just went deeper? If you went to a place where you were afraid to, he said, if you'll just go out deeper and let down the nets, you'll catch some fish. Simon answered, teacher, we worked hard all night. We didn't catch nothing. But if you say so. After they'd done this, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. Their partners, they came and they filled both boats until the boats nearly sank. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell to his knees in front of Jesus and he said, watch this. Leave me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Leave me, Lord. I'm a sinful person. He, he was saying to his Savior, don't you know who I am? I've been uncooperative. I've been unreliable. I've been unteachable. Go away. Leave, leave me, Lord. And Jesus said, bro, don't even trip. Oh, man, that's how I heard him say it. This is what he, what he really said. He really said, don't be afraid. From now on, I got bigger plans for you. I know you couldn't do the little ones. I know you've been belligerent. I know you've been a problem child. I know that you've been cussing people out. I was, I heard you. I heard you misquoting scripture in the boat. But as a result of that, I'm going to call you to bigger things. And instead of catching fish, I'm going to have you catch people. Here's what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, Simon, don't you know who I am? I know you're stressed. I know you're struggling. I know you're stuck. I know you're stubborn but I'm here. I love you. And I have a plan for you. Now, listen, it, it, the plan's not going to be easy. You're going to have to walk away from everything you know and follow me. At the end of it all, you're going to have to give your life for me. But before all that, I'm going to give my life for you. I'm going to change your identity. I'm going to change your destiny. I'm going to use you to change the world. And you know what? He's not just saying that to Simon in this book. He's saying the same thing to you in this room. Don't you know who I am? I know you're stressed. I know you're struggling. He knows you're stuck. He said, I know it feels hard right now. I know it feels like you're going down right now, but the story's not over. Hey, y'all know it's not even faith until your plan falls apart, but you choose to follow him anyway. If it's not good, then it's not done. If it's not good, then it's not over. He's saying, I know you're stubborn. 
And the only cure to stubbornness is surrender. To fall on your knees before Jesus and say, I know who you are, the one who will never leave me or abandon me, my helper, who if you're with me, I don't need to stress or struggle because what can man do to me? We do that today. Will you surrender your stubbornness? I hope so, because your solution has shown up this morning in the form of your Savior. Would you close your eyes and pray with me this morning? That's salvation in a nutshell. That, that your solution has shown up in the form of your Savior. Sometimes we use churchy words. You say that Jesus wants to be your personal Lord and your personal Savior. Here, here's what he really wants to be. Let's put it in a modern term. He wants to rescue you. He sees you at the end of your rope. I don't know if you came here today and you were at the end of your rope. You've tried, you've tried everything else. You tried the bottle. You tried the pills. You tried stepping out. You tried debt. You, no matter what you've tried, nothing worked. But this morning, we want to give you the opportunity to find your solution. So the Bible says that if you do two things, your life will be revolutionized. Confess that you've got sin in your life and profess that Jesus can change that. So I want to give you the opportunity to do both of those today. If you're here today and you say, Sean, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I'd like to before I leave this place with nobody looking around. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to do two things. First, so in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and make eye contact with me. That'll be your act of confession. Secondly, I'm going to say a few lines in a prayer, and then I'm going to pause. And if you repeat what it is that I just said, you mean it in your heart, the Bible says that you will be saved. So nobody look around for you here and you say, Sean, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I want to before I leave this place. Would you raise your hand and make eye contact? Thanks, 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 thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Anybody else? Thanks. Thanks. Okay, I'm going to ask everybody in here to say this after me. Say, Jesus, I've got sin in my life, but I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Come into my heart and change me. Make me new. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Second, I want everybody to open their eyes. I saved five minutes because something hit me when I was talking about this message and it reminded me of me and it reminded me of you. Uh, when you get uh, to the end of the Gospels, Jesus has been crucified. He, he has already resurrected. And there's a parallel that happens. Watch this. The first time that Peter meets Jesus. He's out in his boat fishing, not catching no fish. Jesus has died. He's been resurrected. And, and Peter says, watch this, I'm going fishing. Isn't it interesting when life throws you a curveball, you often find yourself resorting back to the same thing you did before your life was fixed? Now, watch this. Not only did Peter say, I'm going fishing, some of you know this story. And you're, you're like, bro, I ain't never even thought about this. Peter not only goes fishing, he fishes all night and doesn't catch any fish. 
And the Bible says he looks up on the shore and he sees a figure. And even though he spent the better part of his adulthood with Jesus, he doesn't recognize. Isn't it interesting how life will make you not recognize the solution even when it's right in front of your face? See, I really had two sermons today, but I tried to fit them all into one. And so Peter looks up, watch this. And he says, he says, uh, Jesus looks at him and he says, throw out your nets. Peter says, but I've been fishing all night. <laughs> this fool, I've been fishing all night. I haven't caught anything. Jesus says, well, bro, put your net on the right side. I'll kick this thing off this stage. You don't know about even catch that. You're not talking about right and left. He said, bro, why don't you put your net on the right side of the boat and you might catch you some fish. See, some of you have been fishing on the left side of the boat thinking you're going to get all these solutions. But the problem is you've been looking at this and doing that pose and this mantra and this chant and lighting that and taking this card and praying to that. And Jesus just said, look, hey, remember last time when I said, if you'll just go out deeper. Now he said, if you'll just put your net on the right side of the boat. But here's what happened. Life happened to Peter. And this was Peter's posture. Some of you are going to heaven, but you're going to get there like this. I'm not trying to get to heaven like Jam Master J. Like I'm trying to get to heaven with my arms open. I'm trying to get to heaven like this. I'm not trying to get to heaven with my arms crossed. And, and so there's some of you, some of you who it's not that you're not saved, but you're struggling, you're stressed. You've got all of these problems. And the reason is because you've been putting your faith in the wrong thing. You've been putting your trust in the wrong thing. It's just, you know, people who get mad, people who get mad, not y'all, but people you know who get mad when you ask them to serve or you ask them to get in a group or you ask them to go through journey or you ask them to give their tithes and their offerings. And all of a sudden they start to, Jesus is just saying, you know what tithes is? Right side of the boat. You know what journey to wholeness is? Right side of the boat. You know what serving, handing out high fives is? Right side of the boat. You can get to heaven and not never tithe one time. You can get to heaven, not never been dipped in water, never spoken tongues, never served. You could have walked in, sat in the back row, left, dipped out the minute that you got here, not talked to nobody. You could get to heaven like that, but you're gonna live like you're in hell. I'm just saying, some of you are in here today and you got your arms crossed and you need to take your net and you need to put it on the right side of the boat so that you can live your life not in stress, but in blessing. Close your eyes. If you're here today and you say, Sean, that's me. I'm fishing on the left side of the boat and I need to start fishing on the right side of the boat. With nobody look around, Would you pop up your hand so that I can pray for you? Yes, 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 yes. Jesus, in your mighty, powerful name that is above every other name, I pray blessings, I pray peace. I pray that peace that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and guard our minds. God, let us fish on the right side of the boat. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Follow our other podcasts so you can be updated when new episodes are released. We have a wide variety of podcasts to choose from. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you next week.